This is the Cascade Hiker Podcast. Find us over at CascadeHikerPodcast.com. I'm a country boy with the soft side. My heart wanders up north to the hillside. Now I've never made anyone quite as beautiful as you. I'm your host, Rudy Gets It. I'm here to inspire you to get out on the trail. You putting in two-mile hikes, five-mile hikes? Are you still on the couch? Come on, let's go on a backpacking trip. I'm going to introduce you to some folks that have done that and a whole lot more. Next on the Cascade Hiker Podcast, what's your name and where are you from? My name is uh, Whitney LaRufa. My trail name is All Good, and I'm from Portland, Oregon. Right on, man. Well, I've uh, had you on for a bonus show. Had you on and talked about your, uh, your basically your whole history and some awesome stories. And uh, this uh, episode, I uh, really want to talk to you about uh, you know All Good's Canine Adventures. All right, what let's is talk that? about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, All Good's Canine Adventure is a website I started quite a few years back, uh, trying to help bring some knowledge to people about hiking with your dog. Right on. And um, so. I've had uh, only one other person on the podcast that's really into hiking with dogs, and, and that was a uh, a gal named Tenley, and she had uh, has hikes with a service dog, which is pretty interesting. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, everybody that hikes with a dog has you know kind of that same um, you know issues with dogs on the trail. So, what are some of the top things that you talk to people about uh, when you're talking about dogs on the trail? Um, I think big things I try to cover is leave no trace with your dog. Um, you know, dog poo in general, uh, digging holes from the destruction, interacting with other people on the trail. I think that's a very important thing. Not everybody loves dogs, I like to say, especially yours. Uh, that's just kind of the reality. <laughs> uh, being a good ambassador with your dog when you're interacting with people, uh, minimizing your dog's effect on wildlife, and also protecting your dog from wildlife. Those are big things we talk about. Uh, foot care is a major issue for dogs. Uh, some basic dog first aid proper uh, fitting of a pack, you know, when it's appropriate, how, how, at what age to start packing with your dog, um, sleeping with your dog. So just kind of all those things, kind of general safety, know how, and, uh, you know, kind of what to do and not do, uh, kind of learn from the mistakes I've made over 6,000 miles of hiking with my dogs. Yeah, no, that's great. And, uh, so, well, for instance, Jeff Kish, uh, he wanted to, wanted me to ask you about through hiking with with dogs like how how long and and what are the concerns on on that because you've done that before right yeah i um you know i've i've done some shorter through hikes i did the appalachian trail so i guess real quick brief history i found when i was 18 and hiking the appalachian trail um i came to a town of Irwin, tennessee and uh in front of the hotel was a dog who'd been following hikers on and off for a couple of weeks and uh the people that he had followed into town were getting off the trail and they said, hey, if this dog doesn't go back to the trail, they're going to take it to the pound here, and it's a kill shelter. So I'd always wanted dogs. So I said, oh, I'll, I'll take the dog with me. I've always wanted a dog. So I bought some dog food at the grocery store and a cheap collar and took this dog with me and figured, well, if he makes it five days to Damascus with me and everything goes well, I'll keep the dog. And if not, at least he's not in this town. <laughs> so um, the first day I had that dog, he got hit by two skunks. So – pretty classic <laughs> wow kind of kind of bad luck but um things happened <laughs> but he's got along really well with that dog he really kind of took to me i think uh i think we kind of were both in a spot in life where we needed each other and um so i had that dog we hiked the appalachian trail i got up to the you know up in a pinkham notch in the white mountains right at the main border there close to it 
and my dad drove up and picked up the dog because you can't take a dog in a Baxter State Park. So logistically, it was going to be a nightmare to try to finish the trail, board the dog, all this stuff. So just sent him home, let him rest while I finished up the trail the last couple weeks. Um, so I always tell people, I get, I get contacted by a lot of people, and people, I want to through hike with my dog. And the first thing I would say to somebody is, well, why do you want to do that? And I think that's a question people need to really ask themselves. Yeah. Is it about they need the companionship? Because there's going to be plenty of people on trail that you're going to meet. Do they think it's going to protect them? Yeah, it's, that, that could probably go both ways. If you have a very friendly dog, I don't know how much protection it's going to be, to, honestly. <laughs> um, and then I always ask people, I always pose the question, are you willing to hike your dog's hike? Because I think that's a real issue people don't realize. When you go out with your dog on a long-distance trail or any backpacking trip, you're on your dog's hike. A dog is loyal to a fault. It'll follow you to the death if you ask it to. So you need to really be in tune with your dog as far as how is it feeling? How is its pads holding up? Are its nails getting cracked? Do I need to deal with that? Is the dog comfortable? Is the dog happy? I mean, I've seen some pretty miserable trail dogs out there where it's like, why don't you just leave that dog at home with somebody? It wants to be on the couch and hang out. You know, it doesn't want to be out here <laughs> all day long. Um, and then is your dog fit enough? I mean, you know, my dog now is nine and a half. He still acts like a puppy, you know, a lot of the time. But I know that he can't do a 30-mile day anymore. You know, he shouldn't probably do more than a 20-mile day anymore. And even that's probably pushing his limits. So it's adjusting your entire hike where the, the hike is all really about the dog's hike at that point, not about your hike. And that's kind of one of the aspects of through hiking with the dog. And then you have, you know, other issues that are going to arise when you're a through hiker with a dog. One is you're going to meet people that don't like dogs and don't want to be around the dog, whether on a through hike, that's just the reality. It can be a burden or it can be the, the key to getting a ride when you're hitchhiking. Um, if it's wet and muddy and you're wet and muddy and your dog's wet and muddy, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to be hitchhiking for hours. If it's a yeah. nice sunny day and some nice person drives by who loves dogs, they're going to stop immediately because your dog has a backpack on and you're hitchhiking. Um, but it also makes it very logistically tough in town. A lot of hotels don't allow dogs. A lot of hostels don't allow dogs. So if you're planning on taking a zero day, uh, you might be spending more money on lodging than you want to. You might be excluded from some lodging options if you want to. Um, and then the logistical aspect of food, you know, I, I try to keep my dog's diet pretty healthy, especially when we're hiking. Um, so if you weren't on planning on mailing food drops, if you have a dog, all of a sudden you got to start mailing yourself food drops. Um, so there's a lot more logistical work to it. it it's kind of like I would say to people, do you want to take your three-year-old child who can't talk on a through hike? And they're like, no. I'm like, then why do you want to take your dog? Because it's the same thing. Take a quick break from the show here to talk about Lux Hiking Gear. That's L-U-X-E-Hiking-Gear.com. You know, you could choose from all over the place, one to two-person tents, three to four-person tents. Uh, what I wanted to talk about was kind of their uh, back uh, backyard or campsite, uh, you know, car camping or uh, hunting style uh, tents. I've got some bigger ones. I mean, there's a four-person, there's all the way up to six-person uh, tents here, but they also have some that are set up for, um, you know, having a stove in them. I mean, and, and, and he actually sells the stoves uh, from the site there, uh, these wood stoves, uh, stove jackets called. 
Anyway, uh, that's a cool thing. I mean, if, if you're an outdoor hiker and you like cottage brand uh, tents, uh, this isn't something obviously you're going to carry on your back. But, man, what a cool thing to offer. Uh, you know, he also has, of course, hiking tents and stuff. But, uh, but man, if you're, if you're going camping and you, uh, <laughs> it's going to be like in the winter and stuff or, or just a cold. I mean, we got some cold days over here, at least in Washington. And uh, anyway, you can uh, add a little wood stove to it which I don't see often uh, as an option. But go over to luxe-hiking-gear.com and check them out. You kind of mentioned food there, and that was one of the topics I really wanted to talk to you about. Uh, how, how does that change from just yourself food to dog food? So what kind of foods do they offer, basically? Um, you know, for many years, there wasn't really any options. Um it used to be back in the 90s, we had Science Diet and Purina One. Those were kind of the, the two top foods for a thru-hiking dog as far as ounces to calories and crude fat and protein. Um, you know, in the last probably 10 years, there's been some different products that have come out online. Uh, there's Stella and Chewy's. They make a variety of, you know, freeze-dried powdered dog food. They make some uh, freeze-dried real meat products like duck liver and stuff you can feed your dog. Uh, there's a company I've been working with for about five years called Turbo Pup Bars, and they're actually a meal replacement bar for your dog. So they weigh four ounces. My dog eats four a day, so you're looking about a pound versus like almost a pound and a half of food. So it's some weight savings there. Um, they're very high calorically. They're all natural ingredients or they're limited ingredient diets, so they're really good for the dog's gut. It's an easy changeover. So that's an option for dog food if you want something more compact, something a little lighter. Um, and then there's also the option of making your own dog food for a through hike. Um, in the past, I've made big batches of like rice and sweet potato and chicken or ground beef and then dehydrated it myself and rehydrated it on trail. Um, but really the biggest thing is you need to look at your dog's health and see, you know, usually like for a human being, you know, you eat a two to 3,000 calorie diet per day you know, when you're home, but when you go on a through hike, you need like five to 7,000 calories per day. And it's the same thing with your dog. If your dog's eating two cups of food a day at home, your dog's probably going to need like three to four cups of food a day on trail if you're doing bigger miles. So, you know, that's a big aspect. And then it's also keeping critters out of the food. Um, you know, I usually carry at least three days of dog food in my pack for my dog, just because, you know, a dog, just like a human shouldn't be carrying, you know, at the max 20% of the dog's weight in their backpack. But the reality is you probably want to keep it between like 10 to 15% max of your dog's weight in a backpack. So you go out for a week, you're going to start carrying a lot of dog food in your backpack for the dog. Yeah. And what, what, what does your dog weigh? So what is 10 to 15%? Uh, my dog weighs 70 pounds, 65 to 70 pounds usually. So and seven I mean, to ten pounds, something like that. Yeah, yeah, about ten pounds. I try to keep his pack right around ten pounds or less. Right and that's food, water, booties, first aid kit, kind of all that stuff. So, so yeah, I, I really wanted to talk about that. So, yeah, what what gear? Like, what is the pack? What you know? You have a leash. What 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 are you using? Yeah, so I mean, kind of our overall gear kit is. So I'm I'm very fortunate. Um, I'm one of the few non-professional dog handlers or working dogs that's sponsored by Roughwear Dog Gear. Um, Roughwear is based out of Bend, Oregon, and they make performance dog gear for dogs. Um, and really, they do. They have an entire design staff 
that looks at dog gear just like you would high-end human gear of how to make the best product for keeping your dog safe and happy in the wilderness and also balancing out <clears throat> the wearability and the durability of the product. And there's some other products out there, some cottage stuff being made. It's a lot lighter weight, but it's probably not as durable. So like I have a backpack, like Carlux day pack has thousands of miles on it and it's still totally fine. It's nine years old. Um, so they make really good gear. So kind of our basic gear kit is if we're day hiking, I use a rough wear approach pack. If we're going on a multi-night trip, he uses a rough wear palisade pack. The reason I like that pack is it has a built-in harness. So the panniers, the bags on the pack, come off very easily. But I still have a full harness I can control my dog with if needed. It also has a handle on top of that, the pack on the top of that harness. So for river crossings in the northwest, um, what I do is I take the panniers off and put them on my pack. And then I can hold that handle with Carlick on the downstream side of me um, when we cross a river together. So I make sure he gets across safely. So that's kind of a really nice feature. Or if he needs help getting up over a blowdown or up something rocky that's steep, I have that handle to be able to grab him and help him along the way. Um, we use a leash. I just use a standard six-foot webbing leash by them. Um, it's pretty light. It's got a clip on the end so I can clip it onto a tree or onto my pack when we take a break if I need to. And then what goes in his pack is uh, two collapsible dog bowls, generally uh, one to two liters of water, bag of dog treats, some of his dog food, uh, we use booties a lot. Um, I, he doesn't wear them all the time, but he does wear booties, especially on like hot rocky terrain or hot sandy terrain in the Cascades during the summer. Um, whenever we go in the snow, he wears booties. So uh, in his pack, I always carry four booties. I carry some musher's wax and a little uh, tube of bag bomb to work into his pads at night to help uh, heal up any scrapes or any wear he's getting on his pads and his nails. Uh, what else is in his pack? Uh, generally there's a rain jacket in there because, you know, you want to keep your dog as dry as possible if he's going to sleep with you at night. I carry a sham wow, a little pack towel, uh, for cleaning them <laughs> at night. Yep, exactly. Vincent sham wow. And, um, and then a first aid kit and his first aid kit consists of some septic powder, which stops bleeding, uh, some rubber gloves for me, some eye wash, Benadryl. Uh, a tube of super glue in case I need to glue together a cut pad or glue together a broken nail. Um, yeah, I think that's about most of his first aid kit. Some vet wrap and some gauze, and that's about the gist of his first aid kit. So that's generally what goes in his pack. Oh, and then, how could I forget, his orange tennis ball, which is like, oh, yeah. that dog is just the, the, the greatest thing of all time when we're hiking. So, <laughs> What about, uh, what's a swamp cooler jacket? Ah, now that is a great piece of gear. That is a that is a jacket, rough wear designed to keep your dog cool when it's hot. So what you do is you soak it in water, and it's great. You can just take it off, soak it in a stream real quick, or get a bottle of water and pour it on there. Um, and the evaporative cooling aspect of the jacket helps keep your dog cold. So I mean, my dog's black. You know, we hike in the summer. I mean, he's just you know he's roasting out there. But I can put that jacket on him, and you can put your hand underneath it, and it's probably. 10, 15 degrees cooler when you shove your hand underneath that jacket than the ambient air temperature outside. So that's a great piece of gear in the summer to make sure your dog doesn't overheat because that's a real issue. If your dog overheats, it can kill a dog pretty quickly. It can also be really hard for them to ever be able to regain kind of dealing with the heat. And it can take a really long time to cool them down properly. So um, that swamp cooler jacket is something we use all summer long. 
even just like going to the park when it's hot in the summer and, and exercising every day, he wears it. Nice. Uh, what about uh, leave no trace practice? You kind of mentioned that briefly, but uh, what what is that mean for you know hiking with the dog? Well, I mean, if you look at like the seven principles of leave no trace, I think the big ones with the dog first would be uh, minimize your impact on others. Uh, so that means if you have a dog that doesn't hike right at your heel or right in front of you um, and that you can control verbally to wait or stay when you tell it to and they just freeze and you can come up and put them on a leash, then um, you probably need to have your dog on a leash at all times to minimize them running back and forth up the trail, chasing wildlife, running up and barking at people because um, you're really impacting someone else's wilderness experience at that point. So. I think that's a really big one for people to keep in mind when they're going out in the woods with their dog. Um, I think, you know, you know, minimizing your impact to wildlife is very important. I mean, besides the fact that you're bringing an animal that's not natural to that environment that wants to chase a squirrel or, you know, chase a bird or run after deer or elk. I mean, you're really affecting that wildlife's working really hard to put on fat during the spring and summer and fall to be able to survive the winter. So you're really scaring that wildlife affecting its health, um, affecting its survivability. That's not really fair. So you should control your dog for that matter. Um, and then the other aspect of wildlife is there's a lot of things that can really hurt your dog. If your dog gets tangled up with a, uh, porcupine, for instance, um, that's a real mess, especially if you're days away from a trailhead trying to remove quills. If a quill gets in the bloodstream, it can kill them. Uh, you know, you got cougars out here in the Northwest. They could easily kill a dog. Um, coyotes, are known to work in a pack to lure a dog into the pack to attack it. Um, so it's really as much as protecting your dog as is protecting the wildlife with leave no trace of controlling your dog at all times. And then I think the biggest one for all of us is probably dog poop. Um, you know, what I do is I carry a deuce of spades potty trowel. I've carried one of those for years since they were on Kickstarter and uh, I just have it right in the outside pocket of my pack. So if I'm hiking with my dog, and if you can train your dog to do this, I'm pretty lucky. When Carlick was a puppy, uh, whenever we'd go hiking and he needs to poop, I'd pick him up and put him off to the side of the trail so he would learn to poop off the trail. Um, what I do is I just quickly dig a cat hole and bury that poop that he takes. Um, if we're out for a day hike, I just put it in bags, you know, in like a dog poop bag, and I throw all those in a Ziploc bag, and I just pack it out and throw it out at home. So that way it's not even being left out in the environment. Um, what about, really, what about, uh, what about pee? You know, I mean, just like human pee, I think if your dog's peeing, as long as they're not peeing in a water source, you're fine. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing too, with water sources. Um, you know, it's very important. Like if you're, if you come to a spring, it's pretty important to keep your dog out of a spring. Cause I mean, there's a lot of people that don't filter water. You want to protect that clean water source. Um, but you know, my dog does swim in ponds and lakes when we're out hiking. You know, that's pretty calm. Take his pack off, let him go for a swim to cool off and stuff during the day. Yeah, I can't imagine. I think I've been in that situation, too, where, uh, you know, I'm sitting at a stream about ready to get some water out of it or something. Here comes a person with their, you know, dog rambling <laughs> down and just jumps in. And does, you know, right. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, people are going to do certain things, but it's good to be aware and maybe maybe not do it the next time or something like that. Yeah, or also like you know, if people are getting water, you know, don't don't let your dog in the water upstream of them, you know. Right. I yeah. mean, keep it downstream at least. I mean, that's the least you can do. I just think the reality is, just a lot of common sense. I mean, once you go in the outdoors, don't leave your common sense at home. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing. Would you let your dog do that in a park in, in town? Probably not. Don't let him do it here in the woods. Right. Uh, I think just being conscientious of other users, in particular, makes a big difference with having your dog outdoors. 
Yeah, good. Uh, what about – is there any kind of training that a dog needs for, for getting on the trail? Yeah, I mean, I think there's – I think it really starts with obedience training, um, you know, from the second you have a dog. I think – I mean, with Carluck, even though I had a dog for 13 years, I spent almost a year and a half in professional training at a place here in Portland where we'd go for like a six-week course. We had homework every night for half an hour. And then we would take a six-week break, and then we'd go back for six weeks. And, um, you know, I mean, he can verb, I can both verbal command him and hand command him to do things like wait, heal, sit, stay, lie down. You know, he knows a ton of part of the tricks too. But I think having that instilled a hundred percent control of your dog through obedience training is the utmost importance for when you're going to take your dog in the backcountry. And then the second thing is physical training with your dog. Um, you know, I mean, I take my dog out every day, rain or shine, no matter what, and run him for 45 minutes, you know, at a park, throwing a ball, where he's basically doing wind sprints for 45 minutes to keep him in shape. And then we just hike as much as we can when the weather's good, day hiking. Um, try to get on steep terrain so they're building up muscles in their back legs when you're out backpacking. Um, so that's a big part. And then the final training is getting your dog used to a pack. Um, and I just want to be very clear for anybody listening out there, especially if you have a young dog. It is very important not to put a backpack on a dog with any weight until they're a year to a year and a half old. Because when a dog's young, it's growing very rapidly, and you want those growth plates to grow in a very uh, healthy manner so you don't have arthritis in your dog as they get older. And putting a pack, especially with weight on a young dog, can be really detrimental to their long-term health. Oh, that's good info right there. Yeah. And then also take the time to learn how to properly fit a dog's backpack. Um, I'm working on a video for that right now to put out. But for years, I always thought, you know, the backpack should ride back like a saddle on a horse. And it was really the folks at Roughwear that said, whoa, whoa, no, that's not where a pack rides. Your dog's pack, like the front of their harness, their pack should be riding right above their shoulder blade, the front of their pack. So it's just like a human. You want to have that weight dissipated into the front of their shoulders and minimizing that curvature in their spine carrying the max amount of weight. Oh, that's good. I bet you a lot of people don't even realize that. They just throw it on and get get on the trail. Yeah, I didn't realize it for years either. So, I mean, like I said, learn from my mistakes. Yeah. We've all, we all make them, for sure. Hey, quick little break here to uh, spotlight one of my uh, sponsors. That's Waymark Gear Company. Waymarkgearco.com. Um, you know, I'm playing around on the website, and I wanted to say you he has custom packs that are ready to go. You can order them right now. There's the through 38 40 to 42 liter packs. They start at 195. Uh, that's just 16 ounces. These are heavy duty ultralight backpacks. He also has a 50 liter packs. Uh, they call it the Cadillac of frameless packs. Uh, they're starting at 32 ounces um, from 225 bucks. So you know, go over there and check that out. There's some add-ons too you can do. Uh, the one I got for my daughter's uh, pack is the mesh water bottle. And it just holds right there on the strap of your shoulder strap right in front. And it's nice to just have that water right there, handy, ready to go. Um, some hip belt pockets, uh, zippered shoulder pouches. Um, I mean, really, you can do almost anything with these packs, along with, of course, uh, all the different colors you can choose and whatnot. So go over to waymarkgearco.com and, you know, hey, at least just check them out right there. Well, you just kind of brought up something that I wanted to ask you about, too. Um, I know... Like when I in, in encounter a horse on the trail, mm -hmm. I always like to have a verbal conversation with the rider. I like to say, 
where do you want me? What, what's best for your horse? So how does that change with dogs? Uh, well, I mean, especially with horses, I'm the same way. Um, you know, horses are, are very large, strong, skittish animals. Um, no matter what anyone tells you. So usually what I do with my dog, when I see horses coming is I immediately get them on a leash. And then I always try to step somewhere on the downhill side. Um, you know, I'm always like, should I step downhill? You know, I'll start a conversation. Usually it's yes. So really the reason you want to step downhill is if a horse sees something above it, it views it as a predator. It doesn't view it as much of a threat if it's below it. So that's why you want to step on the downhill side. And I always try to find a place to pull over and step aside. Now, the same thing with a dog. When I'm hiking with my dog, you know, people will see my dog and I tell them to wait. And they'll be like, oh, is your dog friendly? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, can I pet them? I think that's important. Ask somebody, is your dog friendly? Ask for permission to pet their dog, especially if a dog's on a leash. The reality is if a dog's on a leash, that dog might have some aggression issues or maybe that dog is more aggressive when they're on a leash because they feel connected to their owner like they're protecting them. So it's important to ask people before you start, you know, approaching their dog or touching their dog if it's okay to, you know, for your own safety as much as the dog's safety. And then um, I think if you're hiking with a dog and you're coming one direction, you're coming on somebody else with dogs, it's very important to communicate with each other verbally as far away as possible to make sure that interaction is going to be safe. I know, for instance, when Carlick's on a leash, he can tend to get aggressive with other dogs if they're on a leash. But if he's off a leash, he's completely friendly all the time. So it's having that communication of, hey, is it okay if they meet or is it not okay if they meet? I think that can go a long way of preventing a lot of conflict and issues for you out on trail. Yeah, those are good good tips there. Uh, what about uh, what about sleeping with the dog out on the trail? So, I mean, for me, uh, we don't own a dog right now. I plan on, in the future, getting into uh, having a hiking dog. But uh, that's something I've always been curious about because people say, oh, yeah, he just comes on in the tent. And is that is that typical or do they have their own spot outside the tent? How does that work? You know, I, I, I go back and forth with this. I see a lot of dog owners online and they'll have a picture of them sleeping in a hammock and their dog sleeping on the ground below them, just like in the dirt. Um, I don't think that's really fair. For me, my dog, I view my dog as an endurance athlete, just like a hiker. So to me, my dog deserves to have a sleeping pad that's dedicated to him, which he does have, um, and a way to stay warm because he's been expending energy all day. The last thing he needs to be doing is expending energy to try to stay warm at night. So I carry a puffy jacket by Roughwear, the, the Quincy jacket. It's a synthetic puffy that he wears at night. It's like his little wearable sleeping bag. Um, we have one Neo Air, and we have a foam pad that goes in my backpack. And uh, most nights what happens is, I wake up on the foam pad and he's asleep on the Neo Air because he pushes me <laughs> off. So <laughs> pretty, pretty savvy dog. Yeah. But yeah, I sleep with my dog inside my tent um, or under my tarp, and I use a quilt by Catabatic. Um, they make really nice high-end down quilts, and I actually drape it over him at night. Uh, we just kind of like spoon at night, and I just drape it over him, and you know he keeps me a little warmer. I keep him warmer, and we just kind of snuggle down at the end of the night together. Um, but I think from a standpoint like if I sleep in my tarp or, or I love to cowboy camp. So when I cowboy camp, I always clip him on a leash and then clip that to my backpack at my head. So that way he can't get up in the middle of the night and go running around or go, you know, checking things out or getting in trouble or getting injured. It's a good way to control my dog at night and make sure that I know he's safe too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a good point because, you know, I've, I've actually been in a uh, crowded camp area where there was a dog out 
at night, and the people obviously didn't even seem to care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's just really – it's frustrating. I mean, you don't go outside to have to deal with other people's, you know, issues like that, especially if you have a dog. One thing I always do with my hiking partners is when it's time to eat, I always tie my dog up when it's time to eat a little bit away from us. That way he's not up in like someone's cook pot trying to eat their food or, you know, begging from them. You know, that way they can be, you know, secure off to the side, not bothering people during mealtime. I think that's a pretty important aspect when you're hiking with a dog. Yeah, that's good info, man. Um, is there anything I forgot to ask you about that? No, I don't think so. I mean, I just think, you know, really just want to reiterate to people, you know, if your dog sleeps inside at night at your home, your dog should be sleeping inside your tent with you at night. I mean, I understand maybe they sleep in the vestibule, but make sure if they're in the vestibule, I mean, they are secured at night because, you know, there's a lot of things that come out at night. And you want to protect your animal from getting injured out there. Uh, that's good. Yeah. And um, how do people, uh, you know, follow you? Do you got you have an Instagram, right? Oh, yeah. My Instagram is uh, A as an apple, G as in good, the letter K, the number nine adventures. Um and I, I do Instagram fair amount. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. The, the, I have an All Goods K9 Adventure page, or you can just find me on Facebook. Um, but I do like to post a lot of stuff on Instagram. I think that's a good platform. Um, and then I'm starting to do some uh, some video series now. Lint actually is working with me to <laughs> teach me how to make videos and put them up on YouTube. So I'm going to – I have some grand plans to start putting out more and more dog information in that format because I think it's an easy way – for people to absorb it and and learn and watch, you know, what to do and not to do. That's great, man. I like to hear that. That's 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 a good thing to have. So once again, um, that's all good. SK the number nine adventures dot com. Correct. Yep. Right on. And um, you guys also, uh, you you have kind of opened the opportunity for people to have you come speak as well, right? Yeah, I actually do a lot of public speaking um, around the Northwest and around the country. Um, spoken on the East Coast. Speak in the Rockies a lot, in the Boulder area, Golden, Colorado area when I'm back there every year. Um, but yeah, if you have an organization, you have a group, you want me to come speak about hiking with your dog, lightening your backpack, um, you know, really a wide thing, trips I've taken. One of my favorite talks I've been given for years is through hikes for the working stiffs, where I talk about how <laughs> you can take two weeks of vacation time and do a through hike. Um so, yeah, if you want me to come speak, let me know. I, I love doing it. Um, I'm very reasonable rated. If uh, if it's a group that's willing to pay me, I have very low rates for coming. Uh, I do a lot of them for free, too, for people, uh, especially if it's a nonprofit group or a, a youth organization. I just really like to help other people get out there and enjoy the wilderness as much as they can because it's benefited my life so much. I want to help other people get that same benefit out there in the world. That's good. And I want to uh, just kind of plug you on that as well, because just meeting you in person is uh, that'll brighten somebody's day right there, man. You smile, you're, you're good attitude all the time. And, um, you know, I just want to say thanks again for coming on the Cascade Hiker podcast. Yeah, well, thanks a lot. Those very kind words, Rudy. And uh, this has been a blast talking with you today. And uh, hey, can't wait to see you at some all to West events this year. That's right, man. Thanks. All good. All right, buddy. Have a great day. All right. That's the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to join the Patreon page. Find me at patreon.com slash Cascade Hiker Podcast. Also, hit me up uh, with an email, Rudy at CascadeHikerPodcast.com. Find me on Facebook. My Facebook page is Cascade Hiker Podcast. Twitter, find me at N underscore Cascade Hiking. 
And I'm Cascade Hiker Podcast on Instagram. Thanks, Whiskey Fever, for letting me use this track here, Tall Grass, off their album, Gonna Wake Up This Whole Town. Go find them at ReverbNation.com slash Whiskey Fever. Hey, see you next week. You were sweet like honey on a heartbeat. You were fine like wine and sunshine. I could feel you coming on strong. Could never be wrong. Could never be wrong. See you're laying down in the tall.